Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. We have a special guest with us this morning, and uh, his name is Dr. Litchie, and he comes to us from the East, and he uh, is a pastor, he is a speaker, he is a world traveler, he is a psychologist, he is on a school board, he is an author, Um, do I need to go on? I don't know how he sleeps, really, honestly. He, uh, uh, he has got his hands in a lot of things, and, <laughs> and a father, and a husband, and, and grandfather to seven, seven grandkids. Uh, he has got a lot of titles and a lot of hats that he wears, which tells us that he is a trusted individual, and everybody wants a piece of him because he's got something incredible to offer. And so we are privileged to have him with us. He is the vice president of Emerge Ministries, which is a counseling ministry, and uh, I'm sure he's going to share more about that as he comes up, but uh, they are a trusted organization, and uh, the Assemblies of God leans heavily on Emerge uh, to make sure that we are in a place where we are um, mentally healthy and uh, our souls are taken care of. So would you welcome him this morning as he comes with us? Good morning. Good morning, Pastor. (laughs) Thank you for that warm welcome. (laughs) I've never used one of these things before. This is a, this will be new to me. So if you have your Bibles, if you would please find your way to the uh, epistle to the Romans. I'm going to read several passages today. And first of all, uh, as Pastor Jared said, um, I'm not a pastor. I'm really a pastor to the pastors. I do, I am on a pastoral teaching team uh, of a Chinese church in Akron, Ohio. Can you imagine? I don't speak any Chinese at all, so I speak through a translator, but they've had me come back for 12 years now, about once a, once a month, and uh, uh, I'm just glad to be here. What, can you sense the love of God here this morning and... This time of worship and just the fellowship, I, I, have, <laughs> I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you for the privilege of being here, and uh, Pastor Barry and Pastor Jarrett and the, the whole team that puts everything together, all your tech team. And I also want to say something very special about this time of worship. You know, I am a psychologist, and I do know that it's possible to have your body somewhere and your mind somewhere else. Do you know that it's possible to do that, right? In other words, your body's here, but you could be taking little mental vacations and no one would really know. (laughs) And one of the reasons that we enjoy this time of worship is it helps bring our heart and soul and mind into the same place where our bodies are. And so, you know, just I hope you, you're grateful for the worship team. You can just express that if you'd like. We've got time to do that. It's, I just love the, uh, the, the season of worship. It's just beautiful. I want to bring a message today that talks a lot about your identity in Christ and who you are. And when we talk about that name that is above all names and then the things that God says to us about us and and how we 
become a new creature in Christ, but yet we come to this new life in Christ. If you have placed your faith and confidence in Christ, that's the beginning of a new journey. It's not the end. It's the beginning of a new life. And salvation by faith in Christ, in the goodness of God, and the gift of God through grace and faith in Christ is the beginning of a new journey. It's the beginning of a new life. And we gather together the word, the ecclesia, the gathered ones. If, if you've ever been to a dentist and you've had a tooth removed and you know what ek is like, and it's, it comes out of, <laughs> and it's, sometimes it's a little painful. But the ecclesia are those that are called out from and they're called into something. It's this wonderful fellowship. And here we are in Indianola, Iowa. Now, I've, I usually am, and I'm from Ohio, so normally we don't say we're from the east, Pastor Jared. We're, we're still considered kind of Midwest, but, but this is authentic Midwest in Iowa. I mean, when you are in Iowa, you are really Midwest. And doing some background reading in Des Moines and Indianola, you know that you probably already know that you know that this is ranked as one of the absolute best places in the whole United States to live. You know that, right? I mean, it is it is wonderful. It's beautiful. The people are nice, and uh, you know. And I've 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 had a chance to get to know some of your leadership, and looking forward to the next few days. So it, it's a joy. It's a a privilege. And by the way, we've added one new grandchild Monday. So we have eight now as of Monday. So I'm glad I could still be here, but we have eight now, seven boys, one girl. <laughs> so that's how that goes. I want to take the time today, and if you have your Bibles, to open them to Romans. There's several passages that we'll look at, but I want to talk to us about Jesus Christ helping us to get past our past. Now think about that, getting past our past. What does that mean? There's a lot of scriptures that can be used here. Isaiah chapter 53 talks about the suffering servant, how that he was yielded up, that he was given, that he was broken, that he was given for our transgressions, bruised for, for our sin, for our iniquity upon him was for the stripes, for our healing. In other words, that God gave his son for us. And then when you think about through Romans, we talk about Romans, uh, the passages that are here. Oh boy, something just happened and all these showed up. So I'm just going to try to do my best. And, and Pastor Jared, I'm not going to touch this until you fix it. <laughs> all right, that was easy. Oops, there we go. Right there. Thank you. If I need you again, will you come up again? Okay. <laughs> Dr. Don sometimes is a little slow on the uptake for some, of these, for, for some of these things. But one of the things that is impressive is that when you as a church have come together, you come together for what? For to fellowship, to have a time of worship, to share, to greet one another, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those that weep. And you have people among us who are grieving. You have people that are still hurting from losses and pain. And we gather together in this living organism called the church. And then we're built up 
taught in the word, and then we go out, back out into that world out there and bring the kingdom of God into the places where God calls us to be. And then on a regular rhythm of life, we come back in to gather, to be strengthened, to be taught, to fellowship, and then we go back out again to bring the kingdom of God into those places. That makes good sense, yes or yes? My graduate students knew that I never gave them much choice when I said yes or yes. But here we have God's word, and here we have in, in Isaiah the suffering servant, in Ephesians chapter 2, that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. In Romans chapter 3, we recognize that we all need a sinner, that all have sinned, all means all, we're all in that boat of need of Christ, of Romans chapter 3, verses 22, 23, all of us have sinned, all of us need a Savior, and then God in His mercy, God in His love, God in His grace, God demonstrates His love for us in that while we are still sinners, He gave up His Son for us, Romans 5. Now think about that. If you are here today and you've come and you've ever wondered, am I really lovable? Ask yourself the question, how much did God love me when I was still a stranger, when I was a sinner, when I was lost and without hope? That's when God broke through and sent his son. That's how much he loved us when we were his enemies. How much more... Does he love us now that we're his friends? Isn't that astonishing? I mean, it's just like one of these things. That's why Romans 12 said, it's the reasonable thing to do that we present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. It's our reasonable service. It just makes sense. And then in not, if that's not enough, in, in Romans chapter 6, not only are the wages of sin death, but the gift, gift, gift of God is God's life, God's Son. The gift of God is Jesus Christ. And 1 John says that he, she, who has this life, this eternal life, this eternal life that is in Christ, and those who have the Son have life. And I invite you, church, today, those of you who have coming, those that are watching online, if you have not yet crossed over that line of faith and trusting and believing that what God says is true, I love you, I value you, I'm willing to forgive you, I am changing you, I am not going to leave you alone. That's what God Almighty says about you. And you can respond to that in faith and say, Lord, I receive this as a gift of God. So when we talk about where we're going today, what our goals are, we're just simply going to say, look, I want you to realize that when you have crossed that line, when you have come to faith in Christ, you still come with all of your story. 
And sometimes that story can get in the way of helping us, of, of hindering us from realizing God's best for us and realizing God's potential for us. So how do we get past a painful past? How do we get past our past? And I just want to say to this, number one, we all need the Savior, right? We need that Savior. What does that word mean? For some people, that just may seem strange in terms of the language. We need, it means what? It's a redeemer, a rescuer, an advocate. That word Savior is, you know, sometimes this language, we, don't, we can't just assume that people know what that means. We're saved from being lost. We're saved from a broken relationship. We need to be, as the scripture would say, we need to be born again. But you may have the same question that Nicodemus had of Jesus when he came and sought him out. And he says, born again. What did Jesus said? You have to be born again. What does that word born again mean? What does that mean? Well, Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You must be born again. You've been born once, obviously. You're here. You're breathing air. You need to be born again. You need to be born anew. And God has provided that for us in his blessed Son, Jesus Christ. The word salvation, it's an interesting word sometimes, and I don't want to try to impress you by being with the Greek, because I'm not a Greek scholar or the son of one, but that word sozo, sozo, that word to make sound, to, to make right, to heal, to save, to preserve us. So, you know, in, in Iowa, like they're doing in Ohio right now, a lot of people are harvesting their crops, yes? their fruit, and they're taking it and they're putting it in a jar and they're boiling it and then they set it on the table and they wait for this magical sound. You know what the magical sound is? You ready? Do it once. <laughs> Got the whole church doing it. <laughs> yes, you're waiting for that because then it means it is, anyone that's under 20, that means it's sealed. <laughs> That means you can eat it this winter. <laughs> it's still going to be good because it's sozoed, it's sealed. And it's interesting that oftentimes we fail to realize that we are... Do it again so you get a better noise. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Isn't that a cool sound? We're, we're sealed. We are preserved. We're saved from death. We're kept alive. And yet, when we're born again, oftentimes we don't realize that after this new birth experience, that we still have the residue from our whole old life. Salvation makes sanctification possible, but not inevitable. I'm going to say that again. Now, my graduate students, would, they just knew that when Dr. Don said, I'm going to say that again, they knew that they would see it again on the exam. So here it is. You'll see this again on the exam. Salvation makes sanctification possible. In other words, we're born again. This is the new life. It's the growth. It's the, the growing pains. It's the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, the near, the far, all of the things that help us grow up. And that's what... It begins with salvation. 
Well, we're saved from what? We're saved from an old life. We're saved from condemnation. We're saved from destruction. We're saved from being eternally separate from God. And we're saved not just from, but we are saved to a new life. And this new life God gives to us, it is, listen, when you have received Christ, if Christ is in your heart, you have that eternal kind of life. It is in Christ. You have Christ. You have the life. You have all of those benefits, and you're going to live with him forever, and there's nothing you can do about it. And yet, he still says, look, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want you to tell me good jokes. I want you to share your tears. I want you to share your laughter. I want to have a conversational relationship. I want you to show up. I want to hear. I want to listen. God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the universe, the stars, and we're finding out there's a whole lot of stars now with the new uh, telescope that's up in space. There's more than we ever realized, and it goes on and on and on, and all of that was created through Jesus Christ, and God, that God, wants to have a relationship with you. As Pastor Jared said, it's not just everyone, it's you here. It's you now. And yet, we still bring our past. How do we do that? We extend his kingdom, but we still have our past. So the question then becomes, how do we get past our past? Those chains that we say are fell off, I, my heart rose and followed thee. The, you know, Jesus comes into our life and begins this process. And here you are at Indianola, Iowa, and here you are, the ecclesia, the equans, and you're having an impact on this community. You're providing a place for people to come and fellowship and worship, and you're having a tremendous impact upon this community. And you're growing up in maturity and you're growing up in Christ and yet you still have a history yes or yes we have a history and so sometimes for people like me I'm always interested in knowing what are you full of do you ever have someone tell you that <laughs> you're full of it <laughs> kind of what you're thinking about. But the fact is, is Jesus said that. Jesus said your heart becomes full of life. And Jesus said that it is out of the abundance of the things that are stored in your heart that your mouth speaks. Now listen, you don't need a psychologist to tell you that what is on the inside has a way of coming to the outside. Jesus said that. And it's true. So the question is, is what is your heart full of? Well, I can tell you what your heart's full of. Your heart is full of your generational history. Your heart is full of your family of origin. Your heart is full of your birth order. Your heart is full of your personality, your temperament. Your heart is full of the books that you've read, the people you've known, the choices that you have made. In other words, all of these things accumulate in something that the Lord, the scripture says, your heart. And Jesus said it's 
out of those things that you're full of on the inside that has a way of coming to the outside. And life has this accumulating effect. I, I, I think it's probably those of you that have little kids and they're in your car and they have the little Cheerios and the fruit cups and the fruit little squeezy things and you know they leave them in your car and then you know twice a year when you clean out your car you find out what has accumulated in the back seat and under the seat and what's that smell believe me I've got grandkids I've even got kids that sometimes will do that it, it, it accumulates kind of like or those of you that have do they have basements in Iowa Ohio, we have basements. So, and you know, your basement it accumulates stuff. And you know, you only really get rid of it when you move. <laughs> then you realize, what did we keep this stuff for? It's accumulated. Or your closets, or you know, the, the junk drawer. <laughs> it accumulates the rubber bands and the... I mean, are you really going to use a thousand paper clips? It, but your heart accumulates life. And everybody has a history. Every one of us do. It's the good, it's the bad, it's the ugly, it's the thinking, it's all of that stuff that accumulates in us. And sometimes that history that has become into us that can keep us, even though we're born again, born anew, born of the Spirit, we still bring in that accumulation of who we were before we were born again. We bring that into the new life, and sometimes those things from our past can hinder us and keep us from fully realizing all of the potential that God has for us. Yes or yes? Does this, you get, you get in the point. We're saved by grace and faith, the goodness, the gift of God. It brings a new life, but we still have the accumulation of life. And one of the ongoing purposes of the church here in Indianola, Iowa, is when you are here, is that when you come, it starts to rub those things away and remove those things. It allows us to grow up. That's why you have good pastors on your team. That's why you have people that week after week, they bring the word of God and you fellowship and you've got Pastor Barry and Pastor Jared and others on your team and you have these classes that you do. These are all part of you, what? Growing up in grace. That's what this is all about. You know, and then the question is, is you know, what do we do with that bondage of our history because it can really keep us down because oftentimes this shame that comes into our life you say well Don what is what shame shame is this this overwhelming powerful belief system sometimes it comes to us from people that should have known better sometimes a parent or a coach or a teacher or a, or a stranger on the road you know you're you cut them off and you find out right away what's been building up in their heart. They wave at you. <laughs> sort of. 
But oftentimes that shame can come into our life. Do you remember that, that old uh, adage that said, <laughs> do you remember this? Finish it, but sticks and stones may, but do you realize that that's not true? Do you realize that the scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says that words have the power of life and death? Words matter. That's one of the reasons why, you know, you have... In a church like this, you need a multi-generational church. You need people that are seniors like DL up here. And you need people that are millennials. And you need the Xers. And you need the whatever else they're called. And you need these little kids running around. And they need to see that, that people that are older look at these little kids and they speak life to them. You look at them in the eye and you say, you know, I, I believe in you. I, I, I see Christ coming alive in you. You look at your teenagers and you say, you know, I sense that there's a very special call on your life and that everyone in this church matters. It means a great deal. Those words have power. And sometimes people live their life with great shame and and pain in their life. And oftentimes, and I want you to hear this very carefully. How are we doing? We're okay? Yes, we're good. The you messages of childhood become the I messages of adulthood. Now I'm going to say that again. The you messages of childhood become the I messages of adulthood. You'll never make it. I don't know who you think you are. You're trying, you know, you're, you're, you know, who do you think, what you, you're too this, you're too up, down, fat, skinny, you're too this, you can't do that. Those you messages are not, listen, those you messages are not internalized as you, they're internalized as I. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not talented enough. And we will, listen, we will live according to the messages that we say to ourselves about ourselves. As a person thinks in their heart, so they are, says Proverbs. Listen, words have power. And oftentimes, listen, it's those words that are in the four and a half inches between our ears. It's that language. It's what we've learned to say. It's in our own language. We've learned to believe things that are, in fact, not true. But they hinder us. They keep us down. They, they limit us. They... They hurt us. And oftentimes those things that we have learned to say to ourselves about ourselves, even though we're born again, can keep us hindered from the greatest things that God has in mind for us. And that's one of the reasons that we're talking about this today. Because those you messages can become I messages. Those I messages can be controlling. And listen to me, please hear this, okay? Just because you think something does not make it true. Yeah. 
You can think it, but I'm going to ask you to think about your thinking. Challenge your thinking. Learn to say something different to yourself. In fact, learn to say to yourself what God says to you about you. And what God says to you about you, based upon the word, God demonstrated his love for you in that while you're still a sinner, Christ died for you. If you are willing to confess your sins, he's willing to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You are lovable. You are valuable. Peter says that your salvation was not purchased with silver or with gold or with any perishable thing. Your salvation was purchased with the very precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are valuable. You are lovable, valuable, forgivable, and you are changeable. Thank God. I mean, Paul said it in, in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a child. I did lots of childish things. But when I grew up, I actually grew up. That's what this Christian life is all about. We're changeable. And Jesus said, there's nothing you can do about it. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Listen, because of God Almighty, you are lovable, valuable, forgivable, changeable, never alone. That's what God wants you to learn to say to yourself about yourself. That's what we sang about today. I will change your name. You are no longer in bondage. We have a new father. God has prepared a place for us. He's got a place for us forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Yes, we experienced this loss. We've been married 51 years, but we got a temporary separation. It's painful. It hurts. We gather around. We pray with one another. We cry with one another. But I tell you, eternity is forever. And that's what Christ has given to us. That's what God has given to us in his son. Oh, that's good news. But oftentimes those you messages keep us back. You say, where does it come from? Well, shame can come from all different kinds of places. It can come from parents and leaders, bosses and big people in our life. I'm going to ask you this morning to think about your thinking. Do you realize that part of the benefit of being born again is that we can actually have a metamorphosis in our minds? We can begin to have a new way of thinking. We can begin to think differently about ourselves and about others and life circumstances. I can tell you it's one of those things that will just keep us bound up. And so the question is, is how do we get past our past? You still glad you came? You okay? How do you get past a painful past? Oftentimes in the work that we do, I mean, we have over 30 Christian counselors in our center. We see, you know, uh, we see about 35,000 hours a year at Emerge. And as I'm getting ready to start to step back and move into semi-retirement, I can just tell you that one of the painful things for me has been to work with people who have been bound up for years from issues from their past. And one of the things we do is we say, number one, what's going on in your body? Because your body has a way of keeping the score, by the way. And we'll typically say, when's the first time you felt this way? When's the worst time? 
When's the most recent time? Because I can tell you that shame affects everything about us. It affects our body, affects our mind, our mood, our emotions. It can affect our relationships. It can affect our ability to trust other people. And it certainly can help us to not have as much confidence in God as we need to have. It can really wreak havoc. And so when you think about your own past, I want to walk with you this, these some very practical steps. Okay, just a quick review. God Almighty loves you, yes? He demonstrated it. We place our faith and confidence in what he has done. We become born again. That being born again is the beginning of a new life. And that new life is helping us to grow up. We bring into our new life our baggage and our history. I'm helping you, hopefully this morning, to challenge what you have brought into this new life. And so when you review your past, and, and I'll go back to this one slide here, just realize that, that many of the things that we thought were true about us are not true at all. And you, it's okay to challenge what you think, because it affects a whole lot of who we are. Now, let's get into some very practical how-tos, right? How do we get past our past? Because we've got it. We've got it. I mean, it accumulates just like the Cheerios in the back seat. Our past is there. Well, the first thing to recognize is that we recognize that God's provision for us in Christ is something very special. And secondly, that we do not live according, listen, we do not live according to the events of our past. We live according to the memory and the interpretation that we give to the events of our past. You realize we're not really living according to the events of our past because those things are past. They cannot, they cannot ever be repeated. We live according to the memory and the interpretation that we give to the events of our past. So we're thankful for the good things. We don't want to overplay. We don't want to over dwell on it, but the fact is, is that everybody has this lens that we develop in our life. It, it, sometimes, let's see if I can get this up there, there we go. I think, there it is. You see these new glasses that, that I just got, and you look through these lenses, and these lenses either, you know, they, they can either distort or they can make things clear. In fact, Jeremiah says that, you know, there's, there's an unclearness in our hearts, he says, you know, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? I mean, our hearts can really deceive us. That's why we go back to the word of God. This will never let us down. This is the truth that God says to us. So what do we do? Well, number one, we actually begin to realize that. Let me see if I can get that up there. There we go. Jesus helps us get past a painful past. Number one, is this coming up there? Are we good? Yeah, so we live according to the memory. Can you just think, can you just camp on that for just a second? Let me say it again. Please hear me. We do not live according to the events of our past. 
We live according to the memory and the interpretation that we give to the events of our past. And thank God that can be edited. That is such good news. In other words, to allow us to live our new life in Christ more effectively and present in the future to be able to help us really grow up in Christ. Listen, I want to make this really, really clear if I can. Number one, do you realize that in, in, this, in the scriptures we have numerous examples where people cry out to God? David thought he was getting a raw deal from God. Did you know that? He cries out to God. He says, God, listen, I'm trying to live my life for you. These scoundrels, and I was going to say something else there, but these people over here are not living their life for you. They seem like they're getting blessed, and I'm feeling persecuted and all alone. And then David says, God, will you just break their teeth out? You say, that's in Scripture? Yes. Now, I'm glad that God does not actually answer all of our prayers. But God never condemned him for being open and honest. Listen, if you're here this morning and you are holding on to a painful past, you've been hurt, abused, touched at the wrong place, the wrong time, by the wrong person, you've been spoken words that were curses over you, spoken words that have demeaned you and shamed you, if you've come here today, you can take the lid off of that part of your history, and you can, and I am urging you to talk to God honestly about those things that have hurt you. Pour out your heart. Let me, let me just take a moment and just demonstrate this for you. Is that okay if I do that? So listen, what you do is you take, you take the lid off. In, in the Psalms, these are... <laughs> These are called the imprecatory psalms. The imprecatory psalms are the psalms of honesty and complaint, where David, as we would say in our language, he gets raw and real. Can you look at me for just a moment? Can I just have your eyeballs? It is okay for you to be raw and real before God about those things from your history and expose them, talk to God honestly, Pour out your feelings to God, what it was like for you, how you felt about it, the pain that it brought into your life, the mistrust that it's done, the broken relationships that it's caused, the way that you have learned to feel and think about yourself that has been so distorted and so marred and so crippling to you. Take the lid off, cry out to God, express those feelings to God. You can do that openly, honestly. God is not going to be uh, he's not going to be dismayed. He's not going to reject you because of your rawness and openness. But step number three is this. When you have done that, when you have done that, when you have poured, you may, you may want to close the windows at home. Your neighbors may get a little nervous. And you may have to do this more than once. But when you have done this, Listen to me, please hear this. I, I plead with you in the name of Christ, hear this. Be still. Be quiet. When you have poured your heart out to God about those things that have hurt you, 
then be still and allow the Holy Spirit of God to help you see things differently. He can do that. Joseph had to do that, did he not? In the, in, in the book of Genesis, remember, he was given a raw deal. He was wounded. He was bruised. He was cast aside. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was falsely imprisoned. He, he, he wasn't imprisoned, and he had to work through, work through, work through, work through to the point where God had to work in his heart. And later, when the brothers who had done all this wounding to him came to him and they didn't realize it was him and he revealed himself and he says, hello, it's me, Joseph, remember me, the one that you threw, the one that... He says, God has already worked in my heart. And Joseph was able to say, I've been talking with God over time. And God has helped me to see that those things that you intended for evil, I can see that God continues to work. God continues to work. And God meant for good, for the saving of many lives. Is there anything good in what happened to Joseph? No. Is there anything good in the cancer that you've had to deal with? No. Is there anything good in losing a spouse of 51 years? No. There's nothing good in that. And yet, and yet, we serve a good God. A God who has said that in how many things? How many? All things. God works together for the good of those who love him to them who are the called according to his purposes. And then when God helps you to see things differently... I am praying that you'll take some time and do exactly what we've done today. Now listen, as I close this morning, will you remember this? We don't live according to the events. We live according to the memory and the interpretation. You can take the lid off. You can talk to God openly and honestly. Pour your heart out. Be still before God. Allow the Holy Spirit to come. Help you to see things differently. That's the good thing. Help us to reinterpret it. And those things that we thought were so true, we realized that maybe they weren't true at all, that maybe they were really lies, that maybe just in fact God is having his purposes done and we're going to trust him. He's the God who loves and values and forgives and changes. And he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. Even in the midst of your pain, I'm not going to ever leave you alone. I can change your mind. I can change your heart. I can bring you along. I can help you to make sense of those things that have happened to you, and you can move on in the growth of your life in Christ. I can tell you this, that oftentimes we are so bound by what we see at first. But if you look at this picture very carefully, you're going to see both an old woman, and you're also going to see a young woman. How many of you can see both? Can I see your hand? How many of you can see the old woman? It's kind of a psychological test. How many of you can see the young woman? How many can see both? I'll tell you what you cannot do. It's not possible for you to see both at the same time. You're going to choose what you're going to focus on. If I show you this picture, I say, well, what do you notice here? How many of you see the faces? How many of you see the vases? 
but your mind won't allow you to see both at the same time because you're going to focus on one thing or the other. And if you look at this picture, what you're going to see is I see this image perhaps of what a rendering of Christ, but if you look at it really carefully and you look at all the parts, you begin to see actually the whole story of redemption. I would encourage you today to look more carefully really into the face of Christ. I'm encouraging you today to look into the face of the one who loves you, the one who's prepared a place for you, the one who is a, a temporarily away. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We gather together, the ecclesia, we worship together. There's an impact upon this community for Christ. But that what happens is there's a whole life that we live. And I can tell you that the enemy wants to keep you bound. The enemy wants to keep reminding you of your past. Someone said, if the enemy keeps reminding you of your past, make sure you remind him of his future. The enemy does know your name, but he keeps calling you by your sin. And Jesus knows your sin, and he calls you by your new name. And here's what he says to you about you. He says, I do love you. I just, you know, invite the team or pastor, you're going to come up and close the service here in just a moment. God does love you, and therefore I'm lovable. As you begin to say these new things to yourself about yourself, and I am valuable, and I'm forgivable, and I am changeable, and I'm never alone, and Jesus Christ can help me get past a painful past, and and all of these things that God says to me about me, I can tell you that without Christ, we're really lost. But with Christ, we're really found. And it's the new life that we have. I just, I, I plead with you, church. Listen, this is a good church. This is a healthy church. God has gifted you with marvelous leaders and worship leaders and pastors and teachers and, and people that are invested in training you in classes and, and service to the community. I can tell you that this is the way that church should be. It's the new life in Christ. And I can tell you with great authority, great authority upon the word of God, that he is not done with you. Do you believe that? Will you receive it in Jesus' name? Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.